What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the All Things Basketball podcast. I'm your host, Vic Lopez, as always. And on this episode, before I start, I want to talk about three videos that I put out over the weekend. I was pumping out video after video. Uh, they're pretty short. One of them is about a minute and a half. That one would be the Nikola Jokic appreciation mix. It's like a little mixtape, right? A couple of highlights for him. Uh, I really liked that video. It was fun, right? So just showing a little appreciation for Nikola Jokic. I did one for Damian Lillard before that one. Uh, another video I put out over the weekend was a Jeff Green poster over Giannis Antetokounmpo, which is the game I'm going to be talking about a little bit. It's not going to be a big detailed approach. It's just going to be a couple of things that I noticed from watching that game. So that's the highlight clip as well, the Jeff Green dunk. And then lastly, I made a John Morant alley-oop dunk uh, highlight clip. It's about like 20 seconds, uh, not long at all. You know, the Jeff Green poster is 27 seconds. So these videos are very short. I just wanted to pump out a couple of videos for the YouTube channel. Link is in the description for all three of them uh, for you guys to enjoy. Hope you guys like those. If you are uh, following the YouTube channel, you probably already watched them. Uh, if not, there's the link. Check it out. Hope you guys enjoy it. But I want to get into this episode, right? So I want to talk about a big game between the Nuggets and the Bucks that we got on Saturday, right? It was an MVP candidate matchup, right? And just a quick breakdown of this game. So it's it was a big reminder of what what the downfall of the Milwaukee Bucks looks like. Okay, for anyone that doesn't watch a lot of Milwaukee Bucks basketball and you listen to this podcast or you've heard me talk about the weaknesses of the Milwaukee Bucks and what their downfall is, it's the role player shooting like big time. Okay, I was trying to find out and I couldn't find it before doing this pod, but I am going to do the research and try to find it, whether it's on NBAStats.com or StatMuse or anywhere else. I'm going to do some heavy digging to find out what their win percentage is when they shoot below league average as a team. Um, I can't imagine it being a high, uh, a good record, right, in terms of win loss, because it feels like every time they have a shooting game like this, they just lose horribly right it's just it's a bad loss and i just want to go through this right so you go into this game and i promise you for three quarters you know you want to first of all the the ending of this game if you go back to nba.com and you see it the score is 129 to 106 so obviously some people would think this game was a blowout from the beginning and that wasn't the case for this game this game was awesome it was like it made you want to see this in the finals, to be honest. It was physical. Uh, there was a lot of skill, obviously, throughout the game. Just a lot of high IQ, X's and O's plays, a lot of cool actions. I'm not here to talk about that game in terms of details, right? Like breaking down the game. I just, this is more about the Milwaukee Bucks and where they stand. So I do still think they're, they are the best team in the Eastern Conference now, like, there was a time where I would drop some episodes breaking down some Celtics games, some Bucks games, even games that they played against each other. And I obviously expressed my concern for the Celtics if the Bucks do meet up with them. Um, now, the Celtics haven't been the team that they've been all season long, right? They've, they're kind of like stumbling towards the end, but they are winning some games anyways, right? Like they're still holding on, right? Like I think they're still the second seed 
right? So it's not like they've lost home court advantage or anything crazy like that. But yeah, we we are seeing the concerning, you know, uh, moments, right? Kind of out there. Um, a lot of people talking about if their concerns with the Celtics, but this isn't a Celtics pod. So like I said, 129-106, Denver Nuggets smacked the Bucks, but they smacked the Bucks in the fourth quarter. This game was tit for tat for three quarters. And the Bucks actually looked like they had this game in the bag. Not in the bag in, in the sense of like, oh my God, they're holding a massive lead, but they were comfortably scoring, right? And and they were causing a lot of turnovers for the Denver Nuggets. So like a lot of mistakes that Denver Nuggets would make, uh, the, the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, like they usually do, obviously, uh, one of the best defensive teams in the NBA, they would turn that into offense. So, you know, they did a good job of that. But this is where my concern all season long uh, comes into play, right? So first quarter, okay, they shoot 44% as a team. The Milwaukee Bucks do, right? Four for nine from three, which fine, right? That's <laughs> that's elite uh, team three-point shooting. Now, it was, like I said, they played well, right? Giannis had a good quarter and things like that. We go into the second quarter, right? Game is still close, right? But this is where it just goes wrong from three for these Milwaukee Bucks. So two for 10 from three. You heard that right. 20% from three, okay? We go to the third quarter, okay? What do they do as a team? One for seven from three. 14% from three. We go to the fourth quarter, right? Well, maybe they... Maybe they caught a little cold streak for a couple of quarters. Nope. Fourth quarter, two for 10 from the three-point line, 20%. So in the entire game, they shot 25% from three. So nine for 36. Meanwhile, you let the Denver Nuggets go 41% from three, right? 15 for 36 on three-point shooting. So it was really the Michael Porter Jr. three-point shootout, which is crazy to think because he only took six threes. He made he made half of those, right? So he made three out of his six threes, 50% from three. You get Jamal Murray, who was... I mean, he popped off uh, in, the four, in the first quarter specifically, but he had a great game. Um, he also shot well, five for 10 from three. Uh, Jeff Green, one for two from three. Uh, you know, you got Bruce Brown, who doesn't really... He's not like a knockdown shooter. Uh, he was... He hit two of his three threes. And, you know, obviously Nikola Jokic did his thing. So it's just like the game got out of hand when the Bucks stopped guarding the three-point line with effort. And they also weren't knocking them down on the other end, right? Like, like defensively, it felt like the Nuggets were just shooting open three after open three. And don't get me wrong, a lot of those threes were also contested. But at that point, once a shooter's hot, and you're trying to contest, it's almost like the rim just got bigger for them, right? And and they're just on a hot streak, right? And that's exactly what happened here. It almost felt like they just couldn't miss, um, which is an exaggeration, but they did shoot super well from three. Now, that's part of where it went wrong for the Bucks because they continued to try to shoot threes and they just weren't falling. And we got the classic game of the Bucks just completely just getting run out of the arena, right? Like they, they were in this game and they were ahead by a couple of points throughout majority of the game. Like they looked in control and then the Denver Nuggets just pulled away. It it wasn't like anything specifically the Denver Nuggets were doing. They were just cashing out on open threes. Uh, Once they were hot, they were knocking down the contested ones. Uh, The Bucks weren't shooting well from three, like Giannis over and over and over again. He would find an open shooter, 
open shooter misses the shot. Uh, it just it just happened over and over again. Chris Middleton, you know, you talk about a guy that's been struggling. He's had some flashes, still struggling though. You know, 13 points, you know, you look at 20% from three, that's one for five, six for 14 from the field, that's 42% from the field. So, you know, did not show up for this game. Uh, Brooke Lopez was, was honestly, he was okay. You know, he didn't shoot well from three either. You get Grayson Allen, who shot three for six from three, three for seven from the field, not too bad. You know, he showed up, right? He hit all four of his free throws. But, you know, you start to kind of look at, the other guys that need to show up in order for the Bucks to win games. Drew Holiday, 3 for 11 from the field, 1 for 5 from 3. It felt like he wasn't even playing in this game, to be honest. You know, he had those 7 assists, what I'm looking at on this box score, but to be honest with you, I just did not feel his presence in this game. You know, you get Joe Ingles here, who I was excited about for the Bucks. Just, man, this has been a rough comeback for Joe Ingles, and you you had to think, you know, maybe that's why he was kind of let go in a way, right? Like, like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, they just weren't too concerned about him, right? His last team. 0 for 1 from the field on 18 minutes. You only take one shot in 18 minutes. 0 for 1 from 3, right? Um, you know, he made two, he, made, he went 2 for 2 from the free throw line, but like, you know, you, you're out there damn near 20 minutes. You put up one shot, right? Uh, doesn't really do much out there. That's what it's looked like all season. He'll have some stretches where he'll make a nice play, but for the most part, when he takes threes, there's like no strength under those legs. We know that he's coming back from the torn ACL, but again, just, you know, it's been some time already, right? He's had a couple of reps now. You know, I'm not saying that that he needs to come back into his high level. And I thought that, you know, you take away, he he tears his ACL and you think, okay, well, he's not an explosive player. He doesn't rely on, on shiftiness, quickness, athleticism. So he should be fine. But then you think about it and you're like, well, we're taking away a leg from a guy that already kind of had no legs, right? So I guess I didn't think about it from that perspective. And that's exactly what he's playing like. When he takes threes, they barely get there. Like they'll hit the front rim. He'll air ball. It's like, it's really flat. You know, it's like someone that doesn't have the strength to get it up there, right? There's no arc in that shot. It's flat. It's, you know, it's everything that you can think of in a bad way. Um, you know, you're looking at the rotations. Nobody really giving you anything. You know, the guys didn't really show up in this game. You know, you go to Bobby Portis, four for 11 from the field, one for four from three. It's performances like that that are just going to kill you. You know, meanwhile, you have Giannis, 31 points, four steals, four assists, nine rebounds. You know, I mean... Like, he did his thing. You know, he went 0 for 3 from 3, but, you know, he was taking them, right? He took a couple of threes, 13 for 22 from the field, 59%. You know, a lot of those transition buckets just, you know, getting downhill before the defense could be set. It's a game you always expect Giannis to, to destroy, right? Because Denver obviously doesn't have rim protection. And, you know, it's not not like, not an elite rim protecting team, obviously. You know, you have Jokic down low. You know, Aaron Gordon does give Giannis some trouble, right? Athletic, he's pretty big. Um, but, you know, no one's going to stop Giannis. Only Giannis is going to stop himself. But I say this to say that what reminds me about the problem with the Milwaukee Bucks was this exact game. You know, they have it in the bag in the sense of they're in the driver's seat, right? They look in control, game looks good, and then the three-point shooting just takes a turn for the worst, right? And it's just... It's just what literally killed you, you know, because you're never going to stop another team from scoring for 
48 minutes, right? You're going to have stretches where you get some stops. You're going to have stretches where you go cold. You're going to have stretches where you get hot. But they went three quarters straight shooting horribly from three. And time and time again, you know, God bless Giannis's heart, right? Like, no matter how bad the team is shooting, he is going to continue to draw multiple defenders and kick it out. He trusts his teammates. He wants the teammates to be confident. He doesn't want to take away their confidence. That's exactly the formula for winning, right? Like, you want your streaky shooters to believe the next shot is going in. Um, but, you know, when they continue to not go in and Giannis is still kicking it out to them, I'm not saying Giannis has to just go at the the whole defensive line, right, that they put up there, like the wall that they put up for Giannis, um, because that's just not going to win the game either. So I put this blame on the role players, you know. Giannis shows up every single night, you know, and very rarely does he does he show up and put up an inefficient performance. This was a very efficient performance, but then you look around the board, you know, other than Brooke Lopez, nobody else showed up in this game, you know, and that can happen, you know, like if, if Chris Middleton, who's really going through it, you know, he has sucked for a while. Like he's had some stretches with some good games, but he has looked pretty bad for the most part, um, you know, but Giannis shows up, you need at least like three guys to show up, right? And I'm not asking three guys to drop 20, but I am asking guys to to at least, you know, put some pressure on the opposing team's defense. I mean, when you're shooting this badly, you're just shrinking up the floor for Giannis, right? Like guys are leaving those shooters wide open and they're not knocking them down. They're not making, they're not giving the opposing team's defense reason for caution, right? For closing in on Giannis. So it just becomes very easy to guard Giannis when the shooters aren't shooting well. And I've said that all year long. Um, this is exactly what happened. You know, I don't understand for the life of me why Marjan Bochamp, who is a two-way player, every time you put him out there, he does something productive. And I don't know how you see that happen and you don't find a way to make this work. Like, you have Pat Connaughton, who I love, right? Like, he's like a Swiss Army knife kind of player, right? He does a little bit of everything. He likes to put the ball down, get to the rim. He can sometimes knock down threes. Very streaky shooter. Um, two for five from the field. He's out there for 23 minutes. He puts up, he goes two for five from the field, one for four from three. You know, gives you nothing else. Minus 22. You know, you have Javon Carter, right? This guy, super streaky, 17 minutes out there, 0 for 4 from the field, 0 for 2 from 3. You know, just not what you need. You have Wesley Matthews, who's, you know, I mean, what is he now, right? Like, you know, he, I don't know. You know, he's just not useful for the majority of the time that I've seen him for the Bucks. Uh, you know, you have Marjon Bochamp, guy that is was well coached in the G League Ignite. He has a lot of reps from the G League Ignite season. You know, he is a guy that, in my opinion, can really help you in limited minutes. And you want to tell me five minutes and 54 seconds is limited minutes? It's garbage time minutes. Like, it's the game's over and they're throwing him out there. You know what I'm saying? So, and even so, in those five minutes, he goes two for two from the field. He goes one for one from three. Um, what else does he do? He grabs you a rebound. Okay. So, it's like he he is effective in that small playing time. And I'm not telling you that just because he does this in five minutes, he's going to triple that production if you give him 10 minutes or, you know, whatever the case is. But I am saying, damn, you know, you have a guy here, 17 minutes, not scoring, not doing anything. Wes Matthews, 11 minutes, not scoring, not doing anything. 
you can't give Marjan Bochamp the benefit of the doubt, throw him in the rotation. You got a guy like Joe Ingles basically running suicides out there for the Milwaukee Bucks. Yes, he's seasoned. Yes, he's a vet. Yes, he's seen some important games. And yes, he's going to be even keeled. But I don't care about that. You know, I want to see production, you know, and, and I see it there sitting on that bench. And that's Marjan Bochamp. It's a small little Marjan Bochamp rant. I don't expect you guys to, to side with me on this if you guys don't watch the Bucks play, or if you're not even familiar with Marjan Bochamp. But I'll tell you something about Marjan Bochamp. Two-way player, long wingspan. He can definitely defend. That's why I say he's a two-way player. Um, he can shoot threes at a league average clip, uh, which is something basically everyone else on this roster can do. And he has young, fresh legs. He can get up and down the floor. He can put the ball down and attack the rim. You know, he's not afraid of the moment. Put him out there, right? Like, what do you have to lose? see what you got out of him. I've been saying this for a very long time. I don't understand it. You know, you got a guy like Grayson Allen, who's very streaky. He had a pretty good game, you know. Um, but again, like we need more, more guys to to step up, you know. Otherwise, this is going to be the result every time. Um, if you thought this was going to be a, a, a like a detailed breakdown of the play-by-play, sorry to disappoint you. That's not what I wanted to do. I was really just wanting to rant about the problems the Milwaukee Bucks have. You know, and, and and honestly, they're as good as it gets. But when the shooting isn't there, again, it's just, you know, it's a disaster every time. Uh, that's how they're going to lose. You know, if if they're going to lose games, it's because of the shooting, right? And, and I have people disagree with me. They say, hey, man, you can have poor shooting nights. You get to the basket. You get to the free throw line. You have a guy, one of the highest usage rates in the NBA in Giannis, right? And he gets to the rim at will. So... You know, that's not exactly the, the the only formula for success. You need spacing. And I will say that until I die, basically. Um, you know, I don't know where else to go with that. I want to talk about real quick before I end this episode. The Dallas Mavericks lose back-to-back games to the Charlotte Hornets. Um, you know, you get, you get Luka Doncic, you know, talking about he's unhappy. Uh, you know, he gets that technical. I think it got rescinded today. So technically he's not suspended for the next game. Um, you know, you get Kyrie Irving, like kind of getting a fan ejected. I don't know if you guys saw that. It's just a lot of, you know, it, it's it's crazy how, you know, this isn't going to be a Kyrie rant, but it is crazy how how things can just change whenever Kyrie gets to a team, right? Like I'm, this is, like I said, this is not a Kyrie Irving uh, rant. This is only facts. Okay. Boston Celtics, right? Kyrie leaves the Cavs, goes to the Celtics. What happens there? Nothing, right? Like, team doesn't get far, <laughs> okay? Um, not with him on the floor, at least, okay? Uh, okay, so he leaves that, goes to the Brooklyn Nets, teams up with KD. What happens there? We know what happens. It gets blown up. That becomes a disaster. Now we see him on the Dallas Mavericks. What's happening on the Dallas Mavericks? They've lost ever since uh, when the, when those two are playing together. You get, you know, you start to see fans get ejected. Fans weren't really getting ejected from Mavs games. Now, all of a sudden, a fan's getting ejected from a Mavs game. And, you know, maybe it's just a fan being stupid with Kyrie, right? I don't even know exactly what happened between that fan and Kyrie. But again, it's just like, I don't know if uh, if I can blame Kyrie or not. But I will say this, man, like wherever he goes, it doesn't look like guys have fun. Okay, and Luca literally had a mini rant at a post game press conference about he's just not having fun out there anymore. And and it would be it would be kind of like wrong for me to say that it's because of Kyrie because that's not what he said. 
Um, but it is a pretty interesting coincidence that, you know, you get Kyrie on that team and, you know, the team doesn't look good. Team, in fact, looks worse. And they're dropping games to teams they should be beating, even if they don't have chemistry with Kyrie. You know, I don't know, man. Like, if Kyrie doesn't re-sign with the Dallas Mavericks, which is pretty damn likely because that's not even a team that he listed that he wanted to go to when he was requesting the trade. So if he leaves the Dallas Mavericks and the Mavs just gave up all that for a half-season rental to make the play-in, potentially not make the play-in, um, disaster, right? Like, what the hell is going to happen? That sucks for Dallas Mavericks fans, you know? This was kind of a random pod, um, but it's just a couple of things that really stood out to me. You know, little MVP candidate matchup between Jokic and Giannis. Uh, obviously, that brings me some concerns. And then we have the Hornets beating the Mavs back-to-back, um, you know, which is just crazy to see, right? Like, you can see them kind of beating them once, right? Like, the chemistry is kind of off between Luka and Kyrie. And, you know, you, you kind of do the, connect those little dots, right? But to beat them twice in a row, you know, with a game, with a day in between of, like, rest, right? You can kind of, like you know, relax and watch some game tape, make sure you actually beat these Hornets the second time around, but that's not what happens. They actually end up losing. It's just disaster after disaster. The Mavs look awful. And in that last episode I did, which with the coaches, um, you know, the ones on the hot seat, the ones that have revitalized their careers. uh, And I talked about Jason Kidd potentially, you know, losing his job next season, you know, and, and I'm, it's looking more likely by the day right by the games every game they lose you know to me it shortens that that leash right or, or that bubble like that protective shield around Jason Kidd right like you know if if they get to a bad start next season whether Kyrie's on the team or not I think like I said I think Jason Kidd's gone you know and and, and it's not even Jason Kidd's fault in my opinion the team's just built awful right it's just it's just an awful build um it doesn't you know you you have players that don't defend your rotations aren't strong the the bench isn't deep right um it's just you know it's just a mess you know and and it brings me to this last question that i want to kind of throw out there too like how do you build around luca right like i feel like that's an interesting question because you think about luca and the most comparable player that people always say is james harden because of the historic usage rate right? Like just how often he has the ball in his hands. Um, and you know, he kind of puts the team on his back on offense. It's like, what do you do? Right? Like, yeah, the easy, the easy answer would be all surround him with two way players and a rim protector, right? Like that way guys can defend. You can kind of hide Luca in some, in some defensive strategies, right? Some defensive schemes. And then those players can do the dirty work, knock down threes, and then Luca will find them. Right. And then also get buckets for himself. So, you know, you can you can talk yourself into that. But then you think about, OK, where are the two way players and how many two way players are you going to need to find? Because let me tell you, two way players are not they're easy to find, but they're not easy to sign. Right. Like a lot of them have big contracts. A lot of them are already on teams for the long haul. I just don't see who's out there in terms of like three guys, because in my opinion, you're going to need like three dudes. Uh, to build around Luca, especially if you're not going to put a co-star next to him, because at this point it's like, I don't even know what co-star you put next to Luca, right? Like, the, and I'm not even, I would say, you know, maybe like a, I don't know, man. I don't even know. Like, I don't even, I can't even tell you, you know, but I would like to see an athletic, like two-way 
rim protector, right? And and that's a lot to ask for, right? It's like I'm not asking for for pennies, right? Like I'm asking for a big thing. You know, a center that can play both sides of the floor, right? He can score and he can he can protect the rim. You know, that's tough to find. You know, so so I don't know, right? Because Luca's not going to defend, right? We already kind of know that, right? He may improve down the line, but as of right now, what we know is he only plays one side of the floor, and so you're going to have to figure out the blueprint, right? So I guess that's my question. Like, how do you build around Luca, right? Like we've seen the Kyrie thing; it's probably not the right one. So you know. Who knows, right? But that's going to do it for this episode. This is the All Things Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Vic Lopez, as always. And I'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace.